my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment... Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Welcome. To calling bullshit, the podcast about purpose washing, the gap between what companies say they stand for and what they actually do and what they would need to change to practice what they preach. I'm your host, Ty Montague, and I've spent over a decade helping companies define what they stand for, their purpose, and then help them to use that purpose to drive transformation throughout their business. Unfortunately, at a lot of organizations today, there's still a pretty wide gap between word and deed. That gap has a name. We call it bullshit. But, and this is important, we believe that bullshit is a treatable disease. So when the BS detector lights up, 
we're going to explore things that a company should do to fix it. This episode is our second positive case study when we do a deep dive on a purpose-led company that we think is getting it right. Today, Allbirds. We're going to talk to Allbirds co-founder and co-CEO, Joey Zwillinger, about what it's like to run a purpose-led business and ask him what works, what doesn't, and how he thinks about the future. Before we get to Joey, let's catch up on the Allbirds story. Sneakers have come a long way since their invention in the 1800s. And since the 50s, sneaker companies have touted a variety of technological innovations. PF Flyers with a magic wedge that helps you run your fastest and jump your highest. Look, the ground grip and tread on Red Ball Jets gets you off like a rocket, stops you on a dime. The exclusive arch guard supports your foot, puts comfort and spring in every... The Reebok Pump. When I pump up, my size 13s get support, protection, and a custom fit. So, Michael, my man, if you want to fly first class, pump up and air out. Today, they're a multi-billion dollar industry. Set to jump over the $100 billion mark in a few years. But one place innovation has been sorely lacking is in materials. Most sneakers are full of petroleum-based foam and plastics, non-biodegradable with a high carbon footprint, so they're pretty hard on the planet. Environmentally, the fashion industry, it's Enter Tim Brown, native New Zealander and former professional soccer player who'd worn more than a few sneakers in his lifetime. Tim knew sustainability was an important issue for the future and for customers, and he found a way to move sneaker materials away from oil. His first innovation? Wool. Tim got a grant from the New Zealand Wool Trust for his concept and developed it further during an entrepreneurship course in 2014. But the professor pulled him aside and told him his sustainable sneaker was a terrible idea and suggested he just put it on Kickstarter where he assumed it would tank quickly. Here's Tim in that original Kickstarter pitch video. You can't grow up a kiwi and not understand how good wool is. It's tough, regulates temperature, reduces smell, wicks away moisture, and importantly, is a sustainable and biodegradable resource. We need your help to shake up the shoe industry and take New Zealand wool and the wool runners to the world. He began the campaign hoping to raise $30,000. But within just five days, he'd raised over $120,000. But there was a good reason that making wool sneakers had never been done before. It was really hard. Enter Joey Zwillinger, a materials engineer and one of Tim's early Kickstarter customers. Joey had focused his whole career on making environmentally friendly materials, but kept running into people who just didn't get it. I had this just recurring nightmare of a meeting. Every time I'd get advanced discussions in business development with, with customers or potential customers, it would devolve into this sourcing conversation of, can you just do what we do now and just do it cheaper? Every single time, I was like, you guys are missing the big picture here. Like, the consumers do want this. Tim and Joey met through their wives, who were roommates in college, 
and they hadn't even considered a potential partnership until Joey invited Tim to visit him in California to talk about the idea that would soon become Allbirds. We spent like three days really walking around the hills just north of San Francisco talking about why the world needed a new shoe company. I'd come out of this career uh, in sport that, you know, I'd unlocked this incredible amount of meaning in playing for my country. Then I found myself in my first real job, you know, post-business school, making shoes, and I didn't really know why. And I think the best thing about that meeting was it unlocked our why. It wasn't just about disrupting the shoe industry or creating a comfortable sneaker. It was about creating a direct-to-consumer brand and business that made sustainability a non-negotiable. So they got to work, engineering a sneaker made of wool and fundraising. In 2016, they raised $7.25 million from investors like Leonardo DiCaprio and Maveron, and they used that money to launch their website, Selling the Wool Runner a sneaker that was soon recognized as the world's most comfortable shoe by Time magazine. By the next year, the company had 50 employees in their San Francisco headquarters, 40 in its Nashville warehouse, and 350 contractors in a factory in South Korea. And as they grew, they didn't stop innovating. In March 2018, Allbirds launched a sneaker made from South African eucalyptus fibers called the Tree Runner, the first shoe to receive certification from the Forestry Stewardship Council. Then, Allbirds invented a foam derived from sustainably sourced sugarcane rather than petroleum-based plastic that they called Sweet Foam. And now Sweet Foam is used in all of their shoes. And I absolutely love this. They open-sourced the recipe for Sweet Foam to encourage other footwear companies to use it too. And instead of being upset when Allbirds copycats showed up on Amazon, Joey Swillinger wrote an open letter to Jeff Bezos challenging him to copy their materials and their environmental commitment too. Funny, Amazon never responded. In August of 2019, Allbirds moved into apparel, starting with socks made from yet another material innovation, Trino, a mixture of merino wool and eucalyptus tree materials used in their footwear. And they've recently launched a new material made of crab shells called Exo, like exoskeleton. In November 2021, Allbirds went public under the symbol BIRD. The stock initially surged 90%, valuing the company at $4 billion. So, how do we make more stories like this one happen? I asked Allbirds co-founder and co-CEO Joey Zwillinger to tell us what he's learned about being a leader in environmental manufacturing and running a purpose-native company. That conversation, after the break. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. 
Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I am very excited to introduce the co-founder and co-CEO of Allbirds, Joey Zwillinger. Joey, welcome to Calling Bullshit. Thank you so much for having me, Ty. Glad I'm here. I'm glad to be talking to you. I would love it if we could just start out and learn a little bit more about your background. Sure. Winding all the way back to uh, upbringing, I had two very socially conscious parents, not particularly environmentalists, but pushed me in a direction of making sure they didn't care what I did. They just wanted to uh, instill in me that I had to do something that contributed a little bit broader than my family or myself, or certainly for just money or something like that. But they did help push me in a good direction with a a high level of curiosity. And I, I was an engineer, and that got me really interested in exploring innovation and a whole bunch of different opportunities, which not knowing business, I was like, okay, let's go get a basic education out there. I did consulting. And then I did a little investing in early stage companies through a venture capital firm. And that that really was the first time I got introduced to entrepreneurship in its true form. And I, I was thrilled with it. And I, I started to fall in love with the idea that you could do so much 
had so much dynamism in, in entrepreneurship that you could f- create the rules yourself and create this little organism of a culture and make an impact on the planet that was so significant with a little bit of creativity uh, and a great team. Around that same time, I also um, realized that the biggest crisis that was facing our species, truly existential crisis, that was a, a very big moment for me where I realized I wanted to dedicate my professional life to doing as much as I could for the environment. That sent me down a path. And I think entrepreneurship is so interesting that I, I started hunting down the path. I joined a company called Solazyme as a result of that, which was a biotechnology company where we engineered microalgae to replace petroleum. So a, a basically a carbon neutral version of any kind of petroleum derivative, whether it was fuel or chemicals or even cosmetics ingredients. I ran the, the chemicals group. So I was replacing petrochemicals and I was, I was out there doing tons of business development, trying to design molecules that could outcompete petrochemical and do it on a zero carbon emission basis. Wow. And everyone was so excited about it. And, and then it, they just passed me to the sourcing guy at their company. And that person just asked me to do whatever they did then cheaper. And that was very frustrating. That was where I realized that politicians were lagging and consumers were going to lead the way. I was convinced of it, that consumers wanted a no compromise offering for whatever the product they were buying and consuming. They wanted it to be amazing. And if it was shoes, could you imagine you're just, there's 20 billion pairs of shoes every year bought and sold, and they are made with plastic. Almost every person you look around the street is wearing a pile of plastic. That's all they are. And it's just mind blowing to me, the dissonance between what I knew the consumers wanted and what the brands were making. So I thought there was just an opportunity. I didn't know it was going to be sneakers. Unfortunately, my, my knight in shining armor was Tim Brown, my co-founder, who swung in with an idea with the wool shoe. And we really connected on the idea that this could be a, a really big platform and a really big opportunity as a business opportunity, but also to lead on environmentalism in this space. Yeah, I love that. Let's pivot to Allbirds. How do you guys articulate Allbirds' purpose? We say make better things in a better way. Mm. And I'll unpack it a little bit. Making better things, we say that first. And that means that whatever you're using it for, in our case, if it's shoes, it needs to be more comfortable, look better, help you perform better if you're using them for athletics. They're just better. And done in a better way for us is about helping to reverse climate change. If the planet has a heart, it's, it's climate change is, is the issue that, that is most uh, analogous to helping you as a human stay alive. It's, it's the heart needs to beat. And if our climate goes away, that is an existential problem. So for us, it's all about helping to reverse climate change. And so we measure everything deeply against that purpose. Yeah, it is the issue of our time. How do you guys think about the, let's call it the dominant system that Allbirds is trying to improve upon? Oh, man, it's like a drug. We're, we're competing with the system of this drug of fast and cheap synthetics. Right. And, and for 100 years since Rockefeller did a great job and found kerosene to light lamps and then turned it into fuel for Ford's to, you know, Model Ts, since that time, chemical engineers, very smart people, have been working with all of their energy to squeeze out another dollar from the barrel of oil. And there's a lot of heat and pressure and chemical engineering expertise that goes into squeezing that last value from the barrel of oil to make chemicals and cheap synthetics. And what that has resulted in is an industry that relies exclusively on polyesters, nylons, 
synthetic foams from petroleum, and then cow leather as well, which are all horrific for the environment. It's a terrible direction in terms of its right. contribution to global warming. And, and 20 billion pairs each year, there's a lot of feet out there. That's how much are consumed every single year. So this is, this is the system that we are disrupting against. We are creating a system. We call it vertical retailing, but everything is sold directly to the consumer. We connect that to our innovation model where we unlock mm this amazing customer experience, so better products, and we do that on the backs of highly evolved and naturally derived innovations. Things from fibers from nature, green chemistry, you know, a whole bunch of different processes that unlock amazing value for consumers without denting the earth. Yeah, it's incredibly impressive what you've done with materials. And I do want to get deeper into that too. But just to kind of level set, what is the carbon footprint of the average sneaker? the plastic ones that you guys are trying to replace? Yeah, so the average sneaker, best we can estimate, and, and most, most of the legacy companies in our, in our category don't disclose this information. Mm. So best that we can calculate this, and we've run our own models on what we estimate too, mm. as well as seeing the disclosures, is about 14 kilograms of carbon dioxide equivalent emissions. And I, I say that kind of jargony sounding word, but CO2E, which I'll refer to for the rest of this is, is just carbon or carbon dioxide. It's not just carbon dioxide. It's also methane or other greenhouse warming gases. And they're multiplied to kind of show the greenhouse warming potential of that emission. And we package that all into a single metric. So it's about 14. Mm. And just to give you what that means in context, hamburger is about mm. six, a kilogram of tomatoes, about 2.2 pounds of tomatoes from the grocery store. That's about nine emission. So a sneaker is 14 on average. And the ones that we make are typically under 10. Right. I noticed that. Hang on. Sorry. I just wanted to show you. I just got my first pair. Oh, nice. And I did see, you know, your purpose on your box, which was cool. You also labeled the carbon footprint right on the shoe, which I thought was interesting. We wanted to understand our impact so we had to develop our own tool so that we could measure down to the gram of carbon dioxide emissions what we are doing across the whole life cycle. That means from like the farm to the consumer and even through their use phase and end of life of that product. So we had to develop a pretty sophisticated model. Once we understood the impact, we decided we would be carbon neutral. So we went through and created this strategy to try to get down to zero carbon emissions ourselves. But along the way, as we had to know what it was first. We had to start to reduce it from all our internal activities. And then we also had to offset it along the way. So we made it carbon neutral. We then released the tool publicly. And we also started labeling our products around the same time. And we decided that singular metric is best analogized by calories on the back of a food label. Right. It's a way to contextualize in a simple single metric your impact on whether you're contributing and, and exacerbating the problem on climate change or you're helping combat it. So we wanted that accountability on the company and we wanted it put it on right on the product so that everyone could start to evaluate quality of product and price of product and, and also the environmental and climate change impact. So now now there's a way for people to do that. We hope a lot of people copy us, which is why we, we kind of open source and release this tool to the industry. That's awesome. I love that. And in a way, you know, when, as I was reading about you and, and watching some videos, it really does seem like... You're a materials innovation company as much as you are a shoe and apparel company. Like you've developed brand new materials like tree and sweet foam. Great names, by the way. Can you talk a little bit about those, those innovations? That is how we think about ourselves, actually. Like the reason for being for us is innovation on naturally derived materials. 
we think about ourselves as a purpose native company, meaning we established this company with the idea that we would use it so that every shoe we sold and every dollar we made in revenue was going to increase our environmental impact in a positive way. So that alignment between mission and financial outcome was essential for us. And so the only way we could get at that is to focus and constrain our research and development process to naturally derived low carbon intensity materials. And so every new innovation that we go and look at, it's got to do four things. It's got to be amazing for the consumer. It's got to like just feel better. That's the first and foremost and most important thing. The second is that it's got to be a reasonable cost because you know we have to deliver this at, at an approachable value for customers. We have to have enough of it in abundance so that it's durable, sustainable, and, and we can make a lot of shoes out of it. And, and lastly, it's got to be very low carbon intensity. And... And the best way to do that is to take the best of nature and in a highly renewable fashion and package it into a, a shoe that, that does all those great things that we try to do. So Tree was a wonderful example where we use Forest Stewardship Council certified eucalyptus fibers to make the uppers of our shoes. Sweet Foam is such a special one. We, we knew when we started the company, we really we wanted to be very good. And a big hole was the bottom of the shoe, the sole. In, in the entire footwear industry, all of it is, is made from petroleum. And we knew, from my background, we knew we had an opportunity, particularly if we convinced this one company down in Brazil, to take the waste stream of sugarcane processing and convert that through a number of biotechnology and then chemical steps that we could actually replace the most ubiquitous foam in all of the footwear industry. It's a, it's a, a chemical called EVA. And, and you can take that and you can make it from the waste stream of sugarcane processing, which actually makes it in carbon accounting, a carbon negative material that actually absorbs more carbon out of the atmosphere than it takes to create it. So you're a net positive every time you use this component. And so we, we use that and we, then we convert it into a foam, which we call sweet foam, and we open sourced that base material to the whole industry because it's so ubiquitous and, and used in such high volumes in the sneaker industry that if everybody used it, the planet would be wildly better off. And it would also drive the cost of that material down. So it would be a win-win for everybody. Right. And so that kind of collaborative approach to sustainability is often better than the traditional super competitive method of innovation. IP protecting, right? Correct. So you open source these materials. So these materials are available? Yeah, with our partner Brasschem, we we co-developed this thing and then we we open sourced it to everybody. And some big brands are using it and a lot of small brands are using it and there's a lot of brands that have yet to use it and shame on them. Uh you sh- you should use it. Yeah, completely agree. That's that's super cool. And and obviously wool is also a huge part of your proposition. So, why wool? Well, you know, Tim is from New Zealand and there is a lot of sheep in New Zealand. A lot of sheep. <laughs> There's right, like 30 yeah. million sheep and a, and a whole bunch of those are Merino sheep. And so Tim had a indoctrination from his upbringing in, in the value of wool and Merino wool in particular. It's a miracle fiber. It absorbs moisture and you don't feel damp when you're wearing it. Yeah. It regulates your temperature. It feels incredibly soft to yeah. the touch and it's got some like great strength characteristics. And it not only is it 
wonderful for all of those attributes, making it an incredibly comfortable product. But it's also from nature, and particularly when you utilize regenerative farming practices, which is one of our biggest initiatives to push all the farmers we work with in New Zealand and beyond to use regenerative farming practices, this too can be a carbon negative material. Right. And so the, the, the power of harvesting wool in a regenerative manner and packaging it into a, a, a product that feels better, performs better, is that magic sweet spot of where all birds exist and thrives. Yeah, I love it. Do you think leading a purpose-led business is harder? I ask that because, for instance, you have a lot more stakeholders to think about than the CEO of, for instance, a traditional company who normally just thinks about shareholders. That's an interesting question. I've never really thought about that, but I, I kind of think it's easier. As long as you intelligently design the business system so that you're like truly purpose native, where which I define as, as the financial and impact incentives are exactly aligned, then I find it easier because it's a tool that I use so much to make sure that the purpose is resonating with our consumers so they gravitate to our products more. The purpose resonates with our employee base, so we get amazing talent. You know, the, the purpose, frankly, resonates with our investors. Like the, the idea that you can allocate your capital as a capital right. allocator against opportunities that both make money and make great impact on the world. These are all super aligned. So I, I find that the paradigm that is often assumed, which is that these stakeholders are inherently in tension, is a legacy of how business has skewed too far in one direction around profit only and forgot that we all live in a system. And so I find it quite a lot easier. It's the tool I leverage the most. Great answer. So at some level, proclaiming that Allbirds is a purpose-led business makes the company a target, even if by comparison, you're a beacon of hope in your industry. Do you ever feel that pressure? Sure. Yeah. And look, we try to be very careful to say, uh, and we're, we're pretty clear about this, that we are not perfect. Like, well, there's lots of holes in what we're doing. You know, the fact that we are above zero carbon emissions for the products that we make means that we're not doing a great job against our mission yet. Like we need to keep running super hard and working every day, which is what we do to make amazing products that people love and want to spend their money on and that make a lower impact. Yet at the same time, there's a lot of different perspectives on what ideal looks like from an environmental perspective and what you should be fighting for recyclability, circularity. To others, it's climate change. Lots of people have a definition of, of what this is. So you're always exposed. And when you put your neck out and, and try to take a leadership role in anything in life, people want to shoot you down when you get up to a certain level. That's part of the job. And I'm completely comfortable with that. And also comfortable knowing we may make some mistakes. And all we can do is transparently describe what we're doing and why we're doing it and what our views are. And then, you know, it's up to consumers or other people to, to make a judgment on whether they believe in what we're doing or not. I will humbly submit that I think we've done a very good job of creating a system that is logical and ladders up to making a very positive impact on the most important problem our species faces. And we do a lot of disclosure. You know, just as an example, we're a public company. We do earnings calls where we talk to investors every quarter. And in the beginning of the year, typically a company, a public company will give guidance for the next year on what you're going to do for your financial targets. What's revenue going to look like? What's profit going to look like? We also gave a carbon reduction target 
in our earnings call guidance. And as far as we know, we're the first company to ever give a carbon reduction goal for what we are going to do in our R&D process to drive down carbon emissions of our products throughout the next year. And that's all aligned and budgeted against our goal to be a zero emission company without the use of any offsets. That gives you a sense of how we put ourselves out there, how we try to drive accountability, how we try to be authentic leaders and admit that we're not going to be perfect along the way, but show people why we're doing it and how we're doing it. It's interesting. I want to dig into that for just a second because it feels like in, let's call it old school business, transparency was something to be afraid of. Like you were supposed to hide your flaws. You had to present this kind of facade to the world that everything is perfect. You're just making me think like being transparent in a way, it's the best defense, right? If you call yourself out on things before anybody else does, you're sort of pre-disastered in a way to steal a line from the world according to Garp. Like the worst has already happened in a way. Great, great book, too. Well, you know, I I think there's another factor that contributes to that trend that you're identifying is that information spreads more quickly than it ever has. So if you're out there and you're saying something to a consumer that becomes untrue, the ability for your reputation to be snapped immediately is so high and will happen so fast that you'd be a fool not to be authentic and transparent in this environment because at some point that, you know, the music stops and, and, and that's when the dancing stops. Yeah, 100%. Allbirds began as a purpose-led business, but there are a lot of companies that didn't begin that way that are now trying to figure out how to make the transition. So what advice would you have for the CEOs who are just beginning their purpose-led journey? Yeah, it's a great question because I do empathize with that situation. You know, there's a lot of businesses that have been around long before it was practical to be an environmentalist in business. And long before even environmentalists got their hands around what the problem looks like and how severe this is. But that doesn't give an excuse for not acting with extreme urgency right now. And I guess the thing I would point to the most is that alignment of financial outcomes with impact outcomes. And, you know, corporate social responsibility, CSR, is an acronym that's thrown around a lot. That, to me, often trivializes what businesses need to do in terms of creating a truly purpose-led enterprise. The reason I'll say that is because CSR is often an appendage that's off to the side of the business. And it's, it's saying, okay, now we've made our profit. Like, let's do some philanthropic giving to this group that we think is going to make a splash for consumers or make our employees feel proud to work here. Whereas typically companies who make products... 60 plus percent of the impact that they make on the environment is born out of those products and the materials they source to manufacture that products and, and the transportation and all that stuff. Focus on fixing that. For anyone that makes stuff, fix that and make sure that it ladders up to the metrics that mean the most. And so I would say act with urgency, act with purpose, create a system of incentives, even incentivize the people who lead the business. Like these systems need to be laddered up. So I, I told you that carbon emission reduction goal that we stated alongside our financial guidance, I'm paid on that. If we don't hit those reduction targets for carbon emission, I don't make as much money. And same for all of the executives and, and, and leadership team at Allbirds. We've done it all the way down to that human level. And it, it all matters. you got to have this system with a singular or simple set of metrics that you can manage a company to, just like your financials. Measure your impact on that 
and drive results. Yeah, no, I agree. Effort follows money. Just following the thread of money for a second, there's people who ding purpose-led companies because some folks claim that, that you have to make a choice between purpose and profit. In your mind, does being purpose-led mean being somehow less competitive or somehow having uh, more modest financial goals? No. Let me, let me reframe that for you. If you're making a product, let's say you're making a t-shirt, and you have the opportunity to use a super high-end fabric that feels incredibly comfortable, drapes perfectly, gives everyone the perfect fit, but it costs a ton of money. Do you use it or not? Some materials cost more, some materials cost less. And you still got to make a profit. So you have to make these judgments on the quality of a product. We make the same kind of decisions on sustainability. And you try to objectively make these into a framework. How much money can I spend? How much money will my customer be willing to afford? In the same way, we try to objectively arbitrate these decisions when it comes to whether this is going to make a strong enough environmental impact for us to absorb the additional cost onto. And, and the way we objectively view that is through what we believe is the best estimate of the social cost of carbon and carbon emissions. All of that has been estimated. Most people believe it to around 50 bucks. We try to target about 100 bucks per metric ton of carbon dioxide equivalent emissions into the atmosphere. If it's above or below that line, helps us make that trade-off. And we've inextricably linked our value to customers. So it's not just a cost conversation, but we know that if we launched a product and it doesn't have a hero material that's derived from nature and it makes them perform better or feel more comfortable, we are not delivering on the promise. So this is a, it's a non-negotiable for us. And we try to objectively arbitrate this just like you would quality and cost conversations. Right. Does being publicly traded ever create pressure to compromise on any of those values? You know, going back to that alignment of financial outcomes and, and environmental impact, it, it really doesn't get in the way for us. If tomorrow we came out with a, a fully plastic shoe that was made from all synthetics, like, sure, maybe some people would buy it for a while, but like the, the house of cards would come down quickly in that case. So it would just feel wrong, Joey. It would feel wrong. Of course. So it doesn't get in the way. Um, in that sense, and, and we've always had the view that every time we've ever taken money from anybody, friends and family, venture capital people, or public investors, we have been very, very transparent and clear about how we're established as a company. You know, we're, we're incorporated as a public benefit corporation with our public benefit being environmental conservation equal in our responsibility to our fiduciary responsibility. So, you know, it's, it's all out there. Like, it's all legal. Everything we do comes from our orientation around meeting this, like, critical and important consumer trend of associating what you consume with your values around the environment. Yeah, that's incredibly inspiring. You use the phrase public benefit corporation, and sometimes it's it's a little confusing because public benefit corporation, that designation gets wrapped up or confused with being a B Corp, and you are both, as I understand it. That's right. Could you just help us understand the difference between those two things? So a, a PBC, a public benefit corporation, is a legal framework, and it allows us as management team of the company not only to do things on behalf of the stated public benefit, in our case, environmental conservation, it actually implores you to. 
and and you actually have an have an obligation to support environmental conservation because that's our public benefit in the same way that you have an obligation to protect the interests of, of your shareholders. That would be called a fiduciary responsibility. Right. And so because those two things are legally entwined, the reason we did that, if Tim and I are no longer with this business, the next management team would also have to have that obligation because it's truly inside of the legal charter of the company. And you'd have to ha- have two thirds of your shareholders approve any kind of change to that. And if we're no longer here, it, it lives on. The B Corp, on the other hand, is largely an assessment tool. It's a one size fits all test that compares how Allbirds does versus how the local grocery store does, the local bodega, whatever. Everyone can be a B Corp. And so it asks you questions about everything under the sun around wages and social impact of your supply chain and environmental issues and a whole bunch of different things. And it it says, are you a balanced stakeholder-led company where you are attenuating various issues for all stakeholders, not just whatever your public benefit is on your PBC and corporation documents. It's quite a bit of work, isn't yeah, it? It's, it's very you know, extensive. Becoming a B Corp, it's like very, very rigorous. Very extensive. And, and I'm proud to say that every time we, we take the assessment, our scores get better. And it helps hold us accountable to being good to all stakeholders, employees, supply chain partners, customers, the environment, all the above. That's great. I have one or two final questions to ask you. First of all, on Calling BS, we define BS as the gap between word and deed. And we have a tool that we use called the BS scale, where we rate organizations on that gap. Zero being the best, zero gap between word and deed, and 100 being the worst, basically total BS. So taking into consideration that you're on a journey, nobody's perfect, where would you rate all birds on that scale today? Um... I, I'm gonna. I'll answer the question, but let me qualify my answer. I would. I would put our industry that we operate in first. I'll, I'll say yeah. to, to give a contextualize this. I would put it at like a at like a eighty. There's worse industries out there. There's like you know single use plastic baggy companies that say they're sustainable. So so I'd say the shoe, shoe industry is not the worst in the world at your BS gap meter. I give our industry an eighty, and I, I would put us probably at a twenty. But I I think we should actually talk about what we do, maybe even more than we talk about it, because I think the people inside our organization have a lot to be proud of because of how rigorous and intellectually honest we approach the idea of making sure that our our impact is positive and that every time we sell a shoe and you choose to buy Allbirds instead of some other brand out there making shoes, you're doing something, even if it's a small thing, you're doing something very positive for the environment and hopefully you'll love the product too. Joey, this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate your spending the time with us today. So um, thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's a great topic you're talking about, Ty, and I appreciate you doing your work. Oh, I appreciate that. Thanks. I'd like to end the show today by giving Allbirds an official BS score. The scale goes from zero to 100. A zero means zero gap between word and deed, and a hundred means the gap is huge, total BS. So you've heard Joey give himself a 20. That's a low score, and based on what I've heard today, I'm gonna agree with him, because though the reality is no company is perfect, Allbirds has done so much to bake their purpose right into their business. 
To weigh in with your thoughts, visit our website, callingbullshitpodcast.com. You'll be able to see where Allbirds ranks on BS compared to the other companies and organizations we've featured on the show. And if you're starting a purpose-led business or you're thinking of beginning the journey of transformation to become one, here are three things that Joey said that you should take away from this episode. One, like Simon Sinek says, find your why. Your why is the animating purpose that will inspire you, your employees, and your customers. And your why is the real description of the business that you're in. When Tim and Joey walked the hills of Northern California, they realized it wasn't the shoes they were passionate about. It was making better things in a better way. Allbirds is a sustainable materials innovation company that happens to make shoes. Your why will be different, of course, but make sure it describes the reason your company actually exists. Often, like Allbirds, a good why doesn't even mention the product you make. Two, your business model really matters. In a truly purpose-led company, your business model and your purpose are aligned, meaning the more of your products that you sell, the better off society and the world will be. As Joey said, when purpose and business model align, your business actually resonates more powerfully with customers, employees, and suppliers, and it makes your job as a leader much easier. Three, define the metrics that matter. Purpose-led businesses strive to make a positive social or environmental contribution to the world. Measuring that impact and tying it to remuneration at every level of the company is key. As Joey said, if Allbirds doesn't hit their carbon reduction goals, then he and Tim don't get paid. Your impact goals may be different, but defining them clearly and tying them to financial reward will get everyone in your company aligned and inspired. Thanks for joining us today, Joey, and thanks to the whole Allbirds team for helping make this episode happen. You can find Joey's social media handles in the show notes. And if you have ideas that we should consider for future episodes, you can submit them on the website too. And if you thought this episode was all right, Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and subscribe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And thanks to our production team, Hannah Beal, Amanda Ginsberg, Andy Kim, D.S. Moss, Haley Pascalides, Parker Silzer, Basil Soper, and Mijan Zulu. Calling Bullshit was created by Co-Collective and is hosted by me, Ty Montague. Thanks for listening. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, Yeah. And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.